0: We get a clue, yo, do, I Hello,
1: everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Cody Underground. I am obviously Cody Willard, and today I've got a uh, special guest, um John Mooney, he's a private investor and um an anchor on a lot of different channels over the years. You guys might have, uh, wherever you live, you might have had him as your local anchor, a fill-in host currently at WRKO, um, at Boston Financial Exchange. John,
2: welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much, Cody. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Well, you know, the invitation, frankly, it, to sort of introduce you to my listeners and to give them an idea of what we're talking about here today was you know, I've been having some debates or you've been joining some of the debates and the discussions on my Facebook page on political things and economic mm-hmm. things. And um, I've enjoyed your um, insights and your uh, banter with, you know, and frankly, your debate, whether I agree or disagree with you. I think you've thought things out pretty well. So that's – I just sort of wanted to talk to someone who doesn't seem to be drinking the Republican-Democrat Kool-Aid, <laughs> the conservative-liberal – Paradigm as we uh, mm-hmm. somehow I think I don't even know what it is, but what they conceive to be a left-right, liberal-conservative, Republican-Democrat paradigm these days, thinking outside of that box and that's sort of maybe let's just sort of start off talking a little bit about uh, the presidential election since that's obviously the big news and the uh, Republican National Convention. What do you uh, what, what What are your thoughts? What, is, what, what's,
2: what are your thoughts of this carnival that's going on? <laughs>
1: It is a carnival.
2: Um, I will say this, I I spent a number of years covering politics and I actually worked in Iowa and Nebraska for a number of years covering the Iowa caucuses from the uh, borderline of Nebraska perspective and the borderline of Illinois perspective at stations on either side of Iowa. So I've been through the political thing quite a bit over the years. And I will say this, Cody, I mean, I think it's a very, this is a trite term, but this is a very different paradigm. In the past, it really has been a whole liberal conservative, left of center, right of center, predictable. You know, you look at the electoral map and you can kind of see where the battlegrounds are going to be and what the ideological divide is. This year, throw that out the window. It's not about liberal conservative. It's about establishment versus non-establishment. And this is why, if you're looking at Trump and saying, oh, forget it, there's no way he can win, I'm sorry, he's on the right side of this. He's anti-establishment. This is a year when people...
1: What kind of messed up world are we living in where a rich, spoiled kid who went to all the greatest private schools and inherited tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever the total was from his daddy with the apartment buildings in New York City that he then built and turned, bought some more and leveraged himself out. Lobbied every Republican Democrat regime on a local state, national (laughs) level for the last 20 years. Gotten all kinds of subsidies and welfare and protection. This guy, Trump, I'm talking about. How is that considered anti-establishment. I just want to ram my head through the wall when people tell me he's a populist or an anti-establishment figure. Even in a by the way, on Sunday night, on 60 Minutes, he said in the quote, I will quote, he said, I used to be part of the establishment, Mm -hmm. but I decided I'd be anti-establishment when I started running. That's what he said. I mean, I might be paraphrasing slightly, but the point is, he himself
2: knows he's not anti-establishment. How can you call him anti-establishment, John? Uh, I'm not saying that he is. I'm saying he's positioned himself as being against the establishment. And I I would say this, Donald Trump's biggest challenge, if he were to win, and I think it's still unlikely he wins, but if he were to win, he would have a major challenge, which is everything you just mentioned about who he really is. And more importantly, having to execute a plan that he's run on that he knows inherently cannot be done there's not going to be a wall or anything like what he talks about there's not going to be in all likelihood trade wars or major rewriting of of trade arrangements we've had there's not going to be mass exporting of or kicking out of of immigrants legal or illegal that that just ain't going to happen so what what happens i agree with you is we're dealing with someone who's probably a lot more of an insider than people think who is successfully running i think so far as an outsider you're i get what you're
1: saying you're not saying he is anti establishment you're saying he's positioned himself well correct. as pretending to be an anti Which is where you want to be, right. Well, He's a marketing guy. Look, I if
2: I to told you me. the best way to sell your podcast was to become XYZ, and you became XYZ, you'd be doing it because you wanted to get more listeners. I he probably has,
1: wouldn't, because I've got ethics. But yes, right. Donald Trump, if he were doing a podcast, probably would. I'm surprised he hasn't licensed down his name to the Trump <laughs> podcast yet um maybe i should look into that i pay him a few bucks a month i can do the trump podcast speaking of which by the way everybody listening i do i don't have a problem making money off of the trump name there's the trump headline app without the i google it Mm -hmm. search it for it in your app store on uh for your iphone and for your android we take trump's tweets and we take the news about trump and we put it in one beautiful layout check it out everybody uh if you care um Here's the question. So here's the question, though. I I don't even think Trump was serious when he started running. I thought it was a a publicity ploy, and mm-hmm. now that he's winning, or, or you know, has won the Republican side of it, he's got theoretically a fifty-fifty chance of winning um, in this uh, partisan paradigm. To use that term again, I guess, um, world that we live in, but. but now I figure he's just in it to – he's going to bail out and create subsidies and protections and everything else that he always wanted his politicians to do for him on a grand scale. And the guy's going to walk out of there ten times richer than he is going in. I think it's all a scam. At least with Hillary, she's just going to let other – corporate she's going to let corporations and other people screw the public – Trump himself is setting himself up to screw the public. What? What's his
2: goal? What's his mission, John? I think there's a lot of reasons why <clears throat> serving as as president would not necessarily be advantageous to his business. Number one, it's taking him away from his business. He would actually have to leave his business on a day to day basis, basically oversee it from a distance. Okay. um, you know sub it out to other people including family members who may or may not be ready to run the operation I also don't think that he's going to be able to get away with any sort of special legislation that would favor his companies over others because of the scrutiny that would come along with it. It would be a lot easier to write big, fat checks to Hillary and have her quietly uh, support legislation that so would be this beneficial to him, which premise? is what he did, by the way. So I, I disagree with your premise. I don't think it would benefit his businesses at all. I think so it would be negative write? to his businesses.
1: What's his motivation? Ego? Power?
2: Yes. Ego, power. Exactly why I told people when Barack Obama was elected, don't sell your stocks because he talks like an anti-business president. (laughs) What Barack Obama wanted to be is he wanted to be the leader of the free world and have celebrities play basketball at his own basketball court at the White House and be served by people and fly on a 747 paid for by taxpayers. That's what he wanted. That's what he got. What what Donald Trump wants is the same thing Barack Obama wanted. Don't get stuck in the whole ideological thing. It ain't about that. It's about power. Well, an ideological – I
1: will get stuck in an ideological part of it in that I'm anti-corporatist. I'm anti-war. I'm anti-fascist. Mm-hmm. I'm anti-big government. I'm anti regulations And I'm anti-Republicans. I'm anti-Democrats. <laughs> All of that goes in without saying because – Republicans and Democrats are corporatists, fascists, war drone-bombing maniacs, and I want nothing to do with that stuff. And so ideologically, I know what you meant. You meant ideologically somehow people perceive a difference between Trump and Obama, and there is no ideological difference between Trump. Well, there may be, guys.
2: but, but, but we're, there, there's definitely an ideological difference, Cody. The difference is the, the extent to which the individual feels the need to – push that ideology above the principal objective which is to obtain power and my argument has been in the case of both donald trump and barack obama neither of them are dug in as ideologically as their opponents would think they are right and 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 here's the thing the world has actually worked out pretty well for what you want which is believe it or not Pretty similar to what Ronald Reagan wanted, which was A divided government, a divided government so where that people that don't get fascist, war-mongering, secret carrying maniac either. Yeah, but here's the thing. What what he wanted was less of all the evil things you mentioned. What when you get a divided government, in other words, a a president who's a Republican, a Congress that's a president that's a Democrat, a Congress that's a Republican, that is your best check and balance against all the evils you just mentioned. And it's actually, I hate to say this because no one will agree with me in this. Democrats and Republicans hate when I say this. The last seven years, Obamacare aside, has worked out magically in terms of the checks and balances of getting nothing done. The de- you know, getting nothing done is not a pejorative. I don't it's know. A under, wish, I, I it's a wish to, to, people, to people like I, I, you.
1: I agree with you to, on the concept. I don't want the government to get anything done. That's why when people are like, It well, hasn't. If you, if, 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 you, if you have all this, like, I want write in. I don't want parties at all. And so people then say, Well, if there's no parties, then nothing, the government will never get anything done. And I'm like, Exactly. Correct. That's my exact point. Yes, correct. But it's I, worked I very, it's, it's worked out very, it's worked out magically tri- for I you the, got the last seven years. Trillion or $15 trillion of, Wealth redistributed from middle class and poor people in America to the giant corporations and the giant banks that got the direct bailouts that have benefited from 0% interest rates, from partisan um, corporate – I mean, even Obamacare. It was written by the corporations that benefited from it. It's the drug companies, you, the you, you, do you companies, think the biotechs. Every one of those stocks are up through the roof in the last 10 years because – Bank of America, Citigroup, profiteering up the, the
2: taxpayer. You think Bank of America's done real well? You think Citigroup's done real well? They're insolvent. The
1: stocks should be wiped out. The, the bondholders and the lenders of those companies <laughs> should be taking huge hits. And so, yes, I think they've done tremendously well because they've gotten trillions of dollars to stay afloat. They, pay, they
2: paid back every penny they with lots not. of that interest. Is,
1: that is the biggest That's a lie I've ever heard.
2: It's not a lie. It's a fact. I owned Bank of America stock. I know their balance sheet. Right. They, they were, were making billions money. and billions of dollars. They, they, By the way, they were forced to accept money. Oh, they were forced yeah, to buy Merrill Lynch.
1: The lies I've ever heard. It's not the right. a lie. They and by, by the way, your point about Warren Buffett is all totally freaking gone. wrong. They were all it's totally exactly wrong. Completely. To you just were wishing. We're getting no,
2: it's time. very important because people actually think that somehow we gave away this money to these We're corporations good. and they We're never they paid back. Most every of them didn't day, want it.
1: Every day that interest rates are at zero percent, every day that there is a quantitative easing, every time that the Federal Reserve That's has set by, worthless assets from the giant banks, and the and the taxpayer now has to pay that money back and carry that debt. The the Federal Reserve balance sheet itself is. Ten trillion dollars that they're carrying now that they didn't carry 10 years ago that 10 trillion dollars went into the bank's pockets and they might have paid back Peter they might have robbed Peter to pay Paul back a little bit but they are in the hole every day billions of dollars of profiteering from the banks is happening with the 0% interest
2: rates are killing the banks that is again a
1: total sham and lie. They're borrowing money. You think from so? do, do you think so? Do you own banks? 15 and put, gambling it in the stock market.
2: They're not allowed to do that. <laughs> the, they rules are, of, they do the, the rules of the thing. They're doing a law, If they do it, they're doing it they they're doing up far less than they did in 2009. What's that? I'd like to see them actually gamble a little bit. I'd like to oh see them actually be able to doing, put money and they're into doing the, the it system.
1: On top of it, they're sitting there manipulating currencies and manipulating securities and this They're doing a very bad job of it that. because their earnings
2: stink. Their
1: I, earnings I, I guess I, I, I fail to see if where they, this if this they weren't mad conspiracy. The help they, from the government, their earnings would be zero, and the and comp- in the, in their shareholders <laughs> would be wiped out as they well should be because they've been horribly managed and they're. Corrupt banks living off the taxpayer largesse.
2: Well, I mean, that may have been true in 2008. True I like
1: right this minute, this very minute, they're getting billions in subsidies today. It adds up to a trillion dollars a year currently.
2: I, you know, I, <laughs> I, as someone who owns banks, and, and I don't own a lot of them, but I own some and I follow them, I can tell you that. There are restrictions on what they're able to do from a trading perspective that are substantial. And, and there have
1: been restrictions and laws in place that they have broken all day, every day for the last 10 years, and they get a slight slap on the wrist, and they go... So who's making out on the this thing? Day? I it's don't not, it's not laws against it. They don't follow the laws.
2: Have you noticed the banks have been like one of the worst performers in this bull market of any Correct, of any sector?
1: Because they're insolvent, and all they can do <laughs> is get billions of dollars to keep afloat. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I would respectfully disagree. Um, I think that banks have been zombieized. I think that the, are they. I agree with the, this this point. I agree that they have stepped beyond the role of what they should be doing, which is what I think you know Dodd Frank and other attempts to change their charters addresses. So we'll I would agree with you. 66,000 pages of regulations written by the bank's
1: lobbyists, attorneys, and their own politicians did not change anything. I read that bill. I went through all 66,000 pages with Jay Leno's camera crew in front of filming it, and I read from it, and it was a joke. It had nothing to do with regulating anything for the taxpayer. It was all transfer of wealth and protections for the banks. Period. That was one of the classic Orwellian thing that they were able to pretend that all of this help that they wrote and welfare and protections that they wrote for their own laws was somehow supposedly a check and balance on them.
2: They wrote well, look, it. I'm I'm not a fan of the way in which banks have been regulated. I'm not a big fan of banks to begin with, but Whatever is being done here, Orwellian or otherwise, has not benefited the owners of banks because they've been lousy performers. Now you say they should be, they should have no value. I, I don't know how you can possibly say that. I mean, they have, they, 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 they have tangible net worth that was reduced
1: without zero percent interest rates that they can lend out at fifteen or twenty five percent. It doesn't exist without a complete. Like you said, why is net margins the has been completely all of that crap has been codified, and it's all protected. And they have a profit schemes that are guaranteed now, and that's all it is, no matter what. So I assume you aggressively, aggressively Ever let the banks lose money? No, they don't want the banks to go under. Why? Because – I don't know. They don't want temporary they, in the stock market. They've
2: been required by law to develop fortress balance sheets with capital coming out of their ears. The reason oh why God. we, have, I, the reason why, I, the reason I, why I we have economic you, problems you, right you, now is because you, banks you have been forced to, to hoard all their cash because of crazy thinking like that. We are like dealing with a problem. We've created a new problem, which is people can't get their hands on money because banks have been required to hoard capital to deal with these crazy. Re- theories no, and as a result
1: the reason why it, people can't get money is because banks are gambling it in a stock market rather than using the, that's the, simply the not true. that they're supposed to be of re- taking savings from the, from the society and giving it to people entrepreneurs that's not what the banks do
2: anymore they just sit around gambling I would like to see the banking system return to simply you're talking about the traditional savings and loan model and I would prefer that but that's like not the way it's been. These companies are, are diversified financial institutions. I think the problem is just the opposite. We've gone so overboard in requiring these companies to load up on capital that Look, it, by definition, has taken money out of the lending business. And by the way, in terms of profitability, there is no net interest margin. Do
1: anything. The, they're going to they the Federal Reserve what they want the Federal Reserve. They own, literally, they own the Federal Reserve. And they tell the Federal Reserve, regulate us this way. Don't like it now? We'll change it. 2009 is a great example. They were Mm -hmm. insolvent by every measure, by every gap accounting measure.
2: Who's that? Wells Fargo wasn't insolvent. They were making money hand over fist. Who's that? Citigroup, yes. That we're never going to be paid
1: back. Wells Fargo alone was out there manipulating currencies, trading the, the, the security markets, and not marking their assets to reality. John, That's true. We're we are uh, off topic from politics, <laughs> but I enjoyed the debate tremendously. We've got about three or four more minutes to make this a reasonably length podcast, so okay. I'm going to give you the last word. I you, you upset me tremendously because I thought you were as anti think welfare as I am and I didn't think you thought they weren't on welfare but no matter the case we well, do give us a topic and, and 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 tell us what your thoughts on it are
2: um my topic is and I don't know how appropriate this is but I think that there's been from an investing perspective an opportunity to see that 3% dividend growers have more value in this world that we identified as a zero interest rate world, which I think when all the games are over and you know, we can debate about how much this is authentic versus not, I think that there's some real life disinflationary, uh, deflationary forces that are going on with respect to automation, robotics, productivity. We can go on and on. that there are secular things happening in the world, if you put government aside, in the real free market world that are very disinflationary and when you you know in that environment the ability of a company to generate you know 2 to th- profits enough to pay, to pay out 2 to 4% dividends safely the value of that stream has never in our lifetimes been higher and that's an arithmetic fact because I'm old enough to remember in 1999 when you could get 6.2% guaranteed in a 10-year treasury and nobody cared because you can get 1.8% buying, buying dividends in, in U.S. stocks. Today, the hurdle rate is 1.6%. That's what you can get safely. And companies that pay 2, 3, 4% dividends, people are like, eh, no big deal. The value of that dividend stream is higher than it's ever been. My concern is that everybody now knows this theme, which is a theme I've been preaching for like the last three, four years, and it's getting overdone. And I don't know where this takes us, but I think from an investment perspective, the possibility that if it looks like we're not falling off a cliff and life is okay, the possibility is you could have a fairly substantial stock market in terms I'm of the gains. I'm, I'm going to let you give us your final thought too, but I will just
1: give you a couple of pushbacks and or uh, agreements on that, and that is – I, I think even beyond 0% interest rates here in the United States, there's 10 to $20 trillion in the developed world in Europe and Asia right now that are facing negative interest rates.
2: Mm-hmm. And that
1: money is probably going to flow into stocks and stock markets, including uh, money being pu- pushed into the United States stock market, seeking exactly what you're talking about on those 2 to 3% yields and or just revenue and earnings growth in general mm-hmm. and trying to discount that future. Now, and probably over-discounting it, which I think is what you were getting at after three or four years of this, and
2: frankly,
1: a a seven- or eight-year bull market, and having the Dow almost triple, or no, actually fully triple since the bottoms of 2008, Mm -hmm. 2009, um, a lot of that's already discounted and priced in, but I do think we have probably a high chance of a melt-up, and I'm not bearish quite yet. I think we'll eventually – I know there will be crashes in my lifetime, so – you know, I, eventually I'll, I'll want to start preparing for something like that, and I've uh, got a lot more cash today than I did five years ago. Um, well, one thing mean, I was going to say, what really it,
2: matters, though, is, is is what really matters – excuse me, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, but what you're talking about with 0% rates, or in our case, you know, 0.25 or 0.37. Overnight rates are important, In day-to-day they're very important. But over the longer term, what matters is what an investor in any of those countries, including ours, gets safely over a five- to ten-year period. And that is a rate not set by, in our case, by by the government post uh, uh, the programs that we've had. It's set by investors based on the real-world expectations of growth, inflation, and the economy. And what that's telling us is that after we get past all these games and there are games and there's artificial money and there's fake policies being exhibited by central banks around the world after you look through all that stuff looking down the road investors are saying there are serious deflationary disinflationary forces greater than anything we're talking about and in that context in that context if rates longer term stay low stocks are wildly undervalued if you buy that thesis that a we're in a secular disinflationary environment, and most importantly, b that earnings are sustainable. If okay, both of those John, happen, hold on,
1: I got to push back. A, inflation and disinflation and deflation and all of the above are functions of monetary policy and no, they are insurance. not. They're not, not long term of technology. Technology can drive prices lower, but technically, I don't call that disinflation or deflation. I think on an economic basis, it's wrong to think of it that way. And I furthermore argue that deflation and prices crashing is wonderful for middle America, for the middle class, and for the poor, and I could care less that corporations – didn't prepare for deflation and crashing prices. That's their problem, and if their shareholders Mm -hmm. get wiped out, that's their problem too. The people in Middle America will be able to buy 10 cheeseburgers for $5 instead of one cheeseburger for $5.
2: Disinflation is great. Deflation is scary because then there's no burgers to be bought. I I, I know what you're saying, but – I, I think you're underestimating the impact of what technology has done in terms of the way it's reduced entire levels of employment. Levels of middle managers that we had 20 years ago are simply not needed. They're done and by machine. And now they're developing apps.
1: Now they're selling Correct. my apps. Now those guys have new jobs because they're living in an app revolution with wearables and other applications. So
2: yeah.
1: let's wrap it up. Okay. I appreciate you being on the show. I actually really enjoyed the Debate back and forth, even if I disagree on the banks <laughs> and their welfare rhythm ways. Um, where do people? Anything you want to promote or tell people to find you somewhere before we let it wrap it up? Yeah,
2: you know, I I'm, I work pretty much as a private investor, so I don't really have a brand to market or anything like that. I just I just enjoy talking with you about about these things. I know it's emotional, and I know that the, the great thing is it, it is a subjective issue. And there, there are a lot of theories and not a whole lot of absolute facts. And the, the, the ability to be able to discuss, I think, is a lot of fun. What I always go back to on
1: that point is, in the end, I know from a moral perspective, I just don't want people to be taking or being forced to do things because the government or someone with violent threat is behind it. And that's, in the end, the biggest issue, I think, that faces us here today where it's, it's on a real fundamental level we don't have the freedoms I wish we did, and I think that's part of the discussion. You and I will have to have
2: another day. I agree with that hundred percent, and I I hope we're not a country where half of the country can't speak to the other. And um, you know, I I, I would agree well, with that if, completely.
1: If a bank loving, if a bank owning,
2: <laughs> welfare
1: loving anchor investor dude can have a debate with the most anti-bank dude he'll ever meet and we actually didn't draw guns maybe it's a good thing and by the way well, we agree I we like agree talk, on most everything I want, else I, I, want <laughs> guns. I want to talk gun control next time too because that was one of the things i really enjoyed that i thought you provided some insights that blew my mind a little bit so yeah I'm talking about about the bank thing. I, you, you and i agree on most things the bank thing will just we'll, we'll put that aside I guess so. And that's a big one. And it's not subjective, <laughs> but
0: whatever. John, for joining. John Mooney, everybody. That's Cody Underground, the podcast. And uh, we'll talk so, to you. We'll back I'm soon. a few I'm going to take from the poor and give to the rich and double high deep. I dig every ditch and then be good in the game like Joplin until I'm violating or quit. And well, I'll be living it up. You keep on living while you're giving it up. He did it, what he doing to his artists and about the way he living. Take a hit, make a hit, keep a tunnel vision. Sign a deal with the feds, go to music prison. Who believe you a prophet when you enjoy your music? Sales advertisements for profits. Well, who knew, boo ho, we get a clue. Yo, do I blew your mind from you to Soho? Cody Willow, New Mexico, Lobo, Muddy Souls. Get around like hobos, yeah, we be tearing it up. And you gon' get it, how you giving it up? You why you giving it up? Li- li- living while you living it up See I thought I was rich till I got rich and found out how rich rich can get.